Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our Astros Rays ALCS Game 7 postgame show. And it's a sad one. Joining me is my co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and longtime journalist, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, remind me again why we did just re-sign Uncle Charlie a couple of years ago. Uh, something about that uh, they weren't sure they wanted to pay him the kind of money he was probably worth, and he was afraid they were afraid he might get injured. Um, yeah, something like that. And uh, ever since then, Uncle Charlie hasn't lost a postseason game since being with the Rays. He was four and zero coming into this game in the last two years. Well, make it five and zero now. Hate to say, told you so, told you so, told you so. But I mean, we're paying. Zach Greinke over $10 million a year, uh, more than Charlie Morton. And if there's one thing Houston sports fans know all too well, and again, this is like not second-guessing. I was not a fan of this move to begin with. But if there's one thing we know as Houston sports fans, if you don't have guys that can play well in the playoffs, then nothing else matters. See Biggio, Bagwell, James Harden, Houston Oilers, and so on and so on and so on. Stephen, I feel like... We could have had a championship these last two years if we just signed Charlie Morton. Well, and you know what, Robert? Just look at how efficient Charlie was tonight. Just to, just to back up everything you've said and everything that I just said, Charlie Morton, through three innings, had thrown only 30 pitches. That's it. 30 pitches in three innings. Lance McCullers threw 30 pitches in the first inning alone. And, and Morton had 61 through five innings. I, I bet you everybody in the Tampa Ray media and uh, Tampa fans were really raising their eyebrows and getting upset when Kevin Cash removed Morton after he'd been cruising. Uh, So yeah, when you talk about getting something done in the playoffs, I mean, uh, Charlie Morton was the guy we all know how he pitched in the world series in 2017. He is as much as anyone was instrumental in the Astros winning the world series. And I just, I, I have lost count Robert of how many times over the years Since I started following Houston sports, how many times Houston teams have gotten themselves in a pickle and have had to fight back? And many of those times they didn't win. They ran out of gas or something happened and they just fell short. Or, you know, maybe they had the lead and they blew it. They choked and they still fell short. So once again, the Astros, you know, they got us to this point where we thought they were going to win, maybe pull it off. But now it's a letdown. They fell short. Yeah, my memories are not much of, hey, they came back and they almost won. My memories are more like, hey, we were up and looked like we were going to win. And then Chris Paul pulled a hamstring or Warren Moon, you know, couldn't get a first down or the defense disappeared uh, (laughs) against the Buffalo Bills all of a sudden. Or, uh, you know, the Rockets... uh, had a Damian Lillard buzzer beater or, you know, whatever they can. I mean, it just feels like they, they've had more, you know, where it's been the victory has been pulled out of their mouth at the last second. You know, this is one where, you know, once they got to 03, if they do it and then they make the comeback, you're like, oh, this is incredible. And we could be talking about this for ages and ages. But I, I never wanted to believe in, and, and especially going into game seven, and I just keep going back to the fact they had Charlie Morton. The Astros did love Lance McCullers. He's not Charlie Morton in the clutch. And so 
that that's where you are right now. You're you're looking at the Rays in the World Series, and now you know we're recording this Saturday night, Sunday. The Dodgers are playing. They get a chance to come back from three one. If the Dodgers win, it's just going to suck because we got to hear from Dodgers fans how they're in the World Series and the Astros aren't. But I, I will say that you know the Astros, considering all the circumstances this year that they've gone through, Stephen, considering everything that they've been through. It, it was amazing that they got to this point, that they got to a game seven in the ALCS. Oh, absolutely. And we've talked about that, Robert. I mean, if you and I both know they don't even deserve to be in the playoffs after the 29 and 31 record. And we, we can send, you know, we, we should definitely send Rob Manford a box of chocolates or some kind of a gift to thank him for even allowing them to get this far because they would be home watching the postseason in a regular year in a regular playoff format. And getting back to Charlie Morton now, here's something to keep an eye on. The Rays, he has an option year for the Rays next year. It'll be interesting to see if the Rays pick up that option, considering what Charlie has done for them this year, you know, depending on what happens in the World Series. But still, the way he has pitched for them the last two years, is Tampa going to take a chance on a 36-year-old Charlie Morton and pick up his option next season? That, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on anyway. Why not? If you're Tampa, why not? (laughs) Absolutely. I I mean, how can you not? It's one year as opposed to two or three. Yeah. Why the heck not? Randy, a Rosa rain. I'm going to learn how to say it uh, one of these years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's a mouthful, but let's just say that I'm just going to say, call him Albert Pujols because he Albert Pujols, the Astros in this series. Why do you even pitch to him? where he can extend his arms at this point. Why not bury everything in on his hands if you're McCullers? I, I just didn't get that. Yeah, he, he really is. He's some kind of a player, and he's going to be one to watch over the years. You know, the only reason you can't really put call him Albert Pujols is because he hadn't played nearly as many games against the Astros as Albert Pujols. But if he does, he, he could be another Albert Pujols. Uh, but, yeah, it's all about timing. And uh, the timing of Randy Arozarena being hot in the postseason was bad for the Astros and great for the Rays. Yeah, look at the rest of that lineup that they put out there, and it was it was all him. Was it seven home runs that he ended up with, like one a game? Yeah, something like that. And and you know the Rays really have gotten by on the home run quite a bit this year. And you know seventy five percent of their runs, I think, in in the postseason have been scored via the home run. So really, if the home runs don't come through for you, if you're Tampa Bay. You're really just kind of scratching around. So it, it's amazing they have gotten this far with the type of hitting they have. But obviously, it's the pitching and the defense, especially what they showed in this series, that has done it for them. If we're talking about the Astros in this series and what they're going to look back on, you're going to be talking about two guys that you depended on, uh, you've depended on for years to be clutch. And they've been clutch. And they were just absent. They had disappeared they didn't do anything. And I'm talking about Alex Bregman and Yuli Gurriel. They were automatic outs for almost the entire series. Let me start off with Yuli, Stephen, because he hit 154 in September, 114, 114 in the postseason. He was 0 for 13 with runners in scoring position during this series. He hit into four double plays. He wasn't just getting outs. He was getting two outs and a lot of his at-bats. And Steven, you and I are going to have a long conversation about the Astros outlook next year and a couple of podcasts down the road, uh, maybe a coming one here pretty soon. But I'll just do a quick preview and say, look, if Yuli gets off to a slow start in April, 
James Click may need to start looking for a first baseman. And, you know, that takes me back to the Granky trade where you had to give up former first-round pick Seth Beer. And I mentioned the Granky trade earlier because it just didn't seem like it's a good trade right now. And it w- you didn't need to do it if you had, again, Charlie Morton. I hate to beat a dead horse, but, you know, you gave up a former first-round pick in Seth Beer. He was a future cheap first baseman who has a career 897 OPS in the minors. So Yuli is a concern at this point moving forward. I mean, I hope it's just a two-month slump, but two months is a long time for Yuli Gurriel. Oh, it's it's an eternity for Yuli Gurriel. And what's really puzzling about this, Robert, and I know we've talked about it before, but just his career in runners on base, runners in scoring position, you know, with the bases loaded, his hitting percentage is great up until now. So it's really puzzling that even when he's been put in these situations in the postseason, that he has just not come through. And and I remember, you know, I, I typed in my notes after eight innings that it's a good thing the Astros had made it a 4-2 to two game because you had the bottom of their lineup coming up with both Gurriel and Reddick in there, and it, it just you didn't feel good about it. And it's a shame, but, you know, especially from Gurriel. I mean, we've seen this with Reddick the last couple of years, and again, you know, not trying to give too much away in a future podcast, but I don't see him coming back either. But, you know, the, the I think one of the biggest reasons you haven't seen a lot of change as far as getting Gurriel out or having him, you know, they did, of course, sign him to that one-year contract, is they really don't have a lot of options at first base. I mean, who are you going to put there? Taylor Jones? Are you going to hope that maybe Aledmus Diaz can play more first base? Or Jordan, Jordan Alvarez, if he can't play the outfield? I mean, your your options at first base are very limited. So you could be right, Robert, whether it's in the offseason or at some point in the regular season, the trade deadline next year, they've got to address the first base issue, especially if Gurriel continues to struggle next year. Right. And I, I don't think it's going to be something that you want to go spend some money in in the offseason. I think you just want to see what Yuli's got going into next year. And you're, you're going to learn a lot, I think, uh, if there is a spring training, if we do have a spring, you know, who knows what's going to happen here in a few months. But uh, during a, a potential spring training or uh, in April when the season starts. I mean, I'm assuming the season's going to start on time, but who knows? Again, this is all uh, day by day, obviously. Um, let me ask you this, Stephen. Do you think the Astros basically outplayed the Rays in this series? Because stat-wise, you'd say yes. You know, I went through them a little bit, and uh, your crack stat, uh, stat department, which, of course, is me again, uh, <laughs> Going into Game 7, the Astros' whip was 1.115. The Rays' whip was 1.49. So huge advantage for the Astros. I can't imagine the Astros still weren't well ahead after Game 7. And then the Astros' OPS going into the the last game was 795. The Rays' OPS, 663. Pretty big difference. I doubt, even with the home run by Rosarena and Zanina, I doubt they... Eclipse the Astros with that. So I'm, I'm guessing the Astros would have maintained that advantage. The problem, Stephen, is they got outscored. That's kind of the object of the game. The Astros got outscored. Well, you know, it's it's just kind of one of those weird things. But, yeah, they if you if you look at the numbers, they certainly outplayed the Rays. The Rays struck out more. The Astros had more hits in most of the games. I mean, if you lined up those numbers, you used to say the Astros should have won game seven, in seven games or maybe even six. It, it was the you know those first three games when the Rays were just playing out of this world defense, or you could say the Astros just were hitting them in the wrong spots. But whatever the case, the Rays were just making more plays more often 
than the Astros were. Now, it kind of turned around in games four, five, and six. But in game seven, I mean, it just kind of went back to where it, it just looked like the Rays were the more aggressive team. They got the breaks. The Astros didn't. And that's what, you know, that's really what a lot of it is. Sometimes if, if one team gets more breaks than the other, then that's where it goes. It's not always the stats that line up for you. Coming into this game, Dusty Baker was two and six, two and six in winner take all games in his postseason career. He's now two and seven. I'm going to just throw this to you, Stephen. Have you changed your mind at all about Dusty after this postseason? Or you, you feel good, bad, indifferent going into next year? Where, where are you and, and what did you think of how he managed this series? Well, I think for the most part, it, it wasn't bad. He made some questionable decisions. And, you know, we've talked about him, of course, on this podcast. And it, it just it is a history with him. I think Dusty probably plays the hunch maybe a, a little more than he should. It's just not the era where, you know, numbers are so prevalent now, analytics. And and I know we, we talked about that when he was hired. Is, is he going to try to be a numbers guy? Well, it doesn't seem that way. Uh, you know, I, I think obviously a record speaks for itself. Two and six is, you know, that's that's eight. <laughs> if I'm not a good mathematician, but I know what it equals. And that is a lot. So you have to put some weight on that when you see it. Uh, is he the only reason the Astros lost this series? Well, of course not. The, the team still has to go out there and play no matter how well prepared the manager's going to get it. But it is hard to overlook. And I, I just, you know, Dusty is obviously going to come back next year unless he just chooses not to, or if the Astros just get off to a horrible two and twenty or something, you know, maybe they would consider making a change. But otherwise, you're stuck with Dusty for next year because they picked up his option. Let's look at some of the numbers from the postseason by the Astros, and you know, we talk about the bad stuff because they lose Game Seven, but Jose Altuve with a twelve twenty nine OPS in the postseason. And you take away base running and defense, and that's a whole other discussion. And we have to talk a little bit about that moving forward. But he's got some things he needs to work on going into this next season. But, I mean, what he did offensively in this series, um, and then the postseason in general, his numbers look great. Carlos Correa, and let's, I I always ask you about Carlos Correa, Stephen, because Carlos Correa all of a sudden is the leader of this baseball team. It, It feels like, Oh, was it Springer? Was it Altuve? Was it Verlander? Who was the who was the leader of the last you know three or four years? Now it it seems it just seems like there is no doubt that Carlos Correa, you know, with what happened against Fromber and you and I get, didn't get to talk after Game Six, but boy, that was a, a moment. That was a real moment of leadership. That was kind of one of those Jeter moments. You know, it really has been interesting to see Robert, especially over the last couple of years where. Quite honestly, we we just weren't sure what kind of Carlos Correa we were going to get. He had an injured back. He he struggled offensively in in quite a few situations. But man, when it came to the postseason, the guy stepped up. And you know, in this series in particular, I it, I think it was, was happening before that. But in the Rays series in particular, that's when you started seeing the leadership of Carlos Correa. You know, when Garrett Stubbs went out to the mound after he came in the game late. Carlos came over there, and let me tell you, it wasn't it wasn't Garrett Stubbs doing most of the talking. It was Correa. And the same thing, as you mentioned, with Framber Valdez in Game 6. He was doing most of the talking. And, you know, most of the time, even when Martin Maldonado would come out there and the infield would come in, 
Correa was doing most of the talking. So he has really stepped up and just been a leader. And then only that, his offense has really come through. And he played sparkling defense. So, you know, Carlos Correa moving forward, going into the final year, it's going to be another thing to be interesting. I mean, are you going to sign him to a long-term deal based on what he's done this season and whatever happens next year, as opposed to last year and the year before, Robert, we were questioning whether the Astros should even hang on to Correa, were we not? Yeah, and I I just... I look at Carlos Correa and I, I just wonder, you know, the injury history. And I, I want to see what if he gets through next year. You know, the Yankees want to get their hands on him. And then the fans are going to be like, what, what, what cheating scandal? What happened? Uh, no, he's the greatest. We, we always <laughs> oh, loved him. Let's don't, don't get me started. Yeah, don't get me started on that. We, <laughs> we could go all night on that one. Yeah, but it's Correa. I, I, you know, I'd love to keep him. It's just, I don't know how they do it with the money. And, but I also, you know, the Springer situation, we, again, we're going to, we're going to do that in in another show, but I just want to talk about what Correa has done because, you know, I I was in the clubhouse for a a few years, you know, early in these guys career and Correa Springer, Altuve, a lot of these guys. And so, uh, and, and Bregman as well. And my take was that Altuve is somebody that sort of just leads by example, but the vocal leaders, I had the feeling that it was Springer and Correa Springer with, you know, his enthusiasm and his energy and the joy and the positivity that he brought. And then Correa is just one of those wise old heads. That's, you know, born to be a baseball player. And he's, he's very thoughtful. Uh, He's very articulate um, those were the guys that I thought seemed like the leaders. And you would hear about Altuve, um, but you didn't see it when you were in the clubhouse. You didn't see it when you were kind of up close around the team. And maybe I only got a small snippet of it. And, you know, I'm not there all the time. But I just think it's real interesting that he's become far and away the leader of this team. Yeah, it certainly has. And I think you could add some cockiness to Correa's arsenal, especially lately. You know, and some of the home runs he's hit and he's coming around the bases. He's got his hand held to his ear and he's, you know, yelling at the Astros dugout. And and the fact that he called his walk off shot before he went up to the plate and backed it up. You know, it's fine to be cocky, but you got to back it up. And certainly lately, Carlos Correa has backed up his cockiness. And uh, yeah, it's been interesting to watch these guys grow and develop in different ways. You know, I really thought the, the problem with Bregman yeah, he's got the brashness and, and even some of that cockiness, but I don't know that you could call him a leader of this team really at this point. I think, like you said, Altuve is what I would call the quiet leader. He's out there doing it on the field. He's not going to say much. You know, Springer, Correa, they're your vocal leaders. They're the guys that that not only do it by example, but they keep the clubhouse loose. And, in you know, especially in Correa's case, they, they try to keep things calm and settle people down when they get a little bit too uptight. So that is what those guys bring to the team. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, the next couple of years, who do you keep? How do you keep them if you do? Uh, there's a lot to, to think about, but your pitching staff is about to lose a bunch of weight with Verlander and Granke being gone over the next year at, at the latest. So you look at the rest of the lineup in the in the playoffs, Michael Brantley, just unreal, 346, 981 OPS. Uh, Aledmus Diaz, 
quietly when he was given his chance. And I frankly wish he played a lot more because I just, I, I'm not a Reddick guy and we're going to get to Reddick's numbers as we move along. But Oledmus Diaz hit 353 with a 918 OPS. It's only 17 at bats. You know, of course, he's only playing, uh, uh, hitting a lot against uh, lefties, but I thought that was real interesting. Uh, George Springer, uh, we talk about how great George Springer is in the postseason. It's only 791 OPS. That's good. It's not his, you know, season average. It's not what we specifically think of with Springer, but the hits always seem to be in big situations, or at least it feels like it. Kyle Tucker hit 306. The, the OPS isn't big 694 because, you know, he wasn't showing the power. And, and then and then there's the drop-off, Steve, and that's where you get into the problems. We talked about it earlier. Uh, Bregman, 616 OPS. Uh, Maldonado, I, I, 589. I sort of ignore that because of what he does defensively, which is so important. But Josh Reddick, 431 OPS, 194 average. Ugh. Uh, Yuli Gurriel, 114. Like I said, 359 OPS, really bad. And and that that's pretty much it. But if you look at this uh, roster, it's like it, it was very top heavy. I mean, it felt like once you got past the the one through four, at least the one through four that they ended the playoffs with. It, there wasn't much after that. Kyle Tucker might get you a hit, but not much else. Yeah, top-heavy is a great word to say, Robert. I, I think that fits it perfectly. And the other thing is that, you know, the Astros just don't have those guys who can come off the bench, you know, beyond Aledmus Diaz. You know, who's who's coming off the bench that would really even put some of a scare into the other team? They They just don't have that kind of depth. And I know it's difficult to do nowadays and – you know, especially with this kind of postseason, you've really got to put the emphasis on the pitching. But, yeah, all of those guys that have been such disappointments, you know, Reddick has, has been down for a couple of years. It, it's no big surprise, and I think it's a no-brainer that he is not coming back next year. I really, really, really wish that the Astros will find a way to keep Michael Brantley just so consistent, so much. He just is such a contact hitter, hardly ever strikes out, hardly ever swings at bad pitches. He can get the big hits when you need them. You know, it's it's even more imperative, especially if you don't keep Springer. You've got to find a way to keep Michael Brantley or or at least find somebody to to even come close to filling those shoes. And that's going to that's gonna be a big thing to look at is the outfield depth of the Astros, especially if you lose Springer or Brantley and Reddick. You know, who else have you got back there other than Kyle Tucker? And you got to hope that uh, Jordan Alvarez can play the outfield or are they bringing somebody else? Yeah, you're you're fast forwarding again. We're going. We got to got to save something. <laughs> we got to put something in the tank. I, I before we close out on this particular game, another really good outing. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but he didn't give up any runs. And I'm talking about Anoli Paredes. Another really good outing by Anoli Paredes, the kid, uh, Blake Taylor. You know, he was able to do his job when he got a chance to be out there. These rookies, I mean, just an incredible. Anoli Paredes in the playoffs, seven games, a one whip, 136 batting average against Fromber. Oh, my goodness. What a play. We didn't have a chance to talk about him yesterday. Another unreal outing going deep into the ball game. 188 ERA for Fromber in the postseason. Uh, one whip, 175 batting average against it's just unreal. And then Christian Javier, um, he had five games, uh, nine innings pitched, uh, or 9.1, 107 whip, 156 batting average against, 
three rookies. Uh, we're going to have to come up with a name for these guys, these three rookies, because uh, they're, we're going to talk about them for for a few years to come. And if they, if they keep up anything close to this, it's exciting. Well, and and again, th- this is one of the great stories. And, you know, I know the season ended dis- in a disappointing fashion, but the, these guys are the great stories of this season. And, yeah, you can talk about how the atmosphere was different. They didn't have fans in the stands and all that. But, you know, it's still Major League Baseball. <laughs> these guys, you know, normally you wouldn't even have this many guys in the same club. But the, these these rookies, of which you've talked about, yeah, they, they just came through time after time after time after time. And in the postseason, no less. I mean, it's one thing to do it during the regular season. But then you get in the postseason, and they just continued to do it. So, that is certainly one of the biggest stories of the Astros this year. When you think about this year, Stephen, I mean, what what is going to be the memory beyond the pandemic and all that weird stuff? Uh, what are you going to think about with these guys? I, I feel like it's going to be, you know, hey, the Astros sort of were in this kind of doldrums the whole year. It's going to be mostly forgettable that regular season. And then we saw a lot of what made the Astros special the last few years in the postseason. Well, I think the word, I, I just think, I know the word gets used a lot, but the heart, that's what this team had, Robert. They had heart. I mean, when they got a second chance, they made the most of it. Because as we said, you know, they weren't even supposed to get that chance. So I, I just think that the heart that this team had, you know, they could have packed it in at 29 and 31. And yeah, they got to the playoffs, but, you know, they barely got in. You know, the, the Twins were supposed to be a formidable opponent. So were the A's. Well, so what? The Astros came out and showed some people. And I think that, you know, as much as anything, I, I don't know if it was the motivation of everyone, you know, making fun of them and calling them cheaters. It, you know, it, it didn't work through the regular season. But at least in the postseason, when these guys needed to come through, when they got a second chance, they did. So I, I think the heart is is what I look for when I'm looking at the Astros team this year. It feels like, you know, they got so close to being in the World Series. And I mean, not just being there. We know they got close to being there, but actually being a championship level team again. And what if I told you, Stephen, that, you know, they would lose Verlander and Jordan and Osuna to start the season and they were going to get this far. And the reason that I think that they didn't get further wasn't Verlander, wasn't Osuna, it was Jordan. I felt like he was the guy that they missed most, and that's the guy that probably could have taken him to the World Series to have his bat in the lineup instead of, you know, replace replace him or replace Josh Reddick with with, with Jordan and and what a difference that would make in your in your post in your postseason lineup. Well absolutely, especially when you consider how close these games were in this series. And then the games that the Astros lost, they they weren't, you know, nine to one or 10 to 5 games, you know, they were they were pretty close for the most part. So one bat could have made a difference. And then if you could have had guys like uh, Yuli Gurriel or Alex Bregman even just come through in, in a decent sort of way, you know, maybe not be gangbusters, but but just be decent, then absolutely Jordan would be the difference. And, and the Astros could be in the World Series. And, and he's already shown that he's a difference maker just in the short time he's been here. So here's the deal. Uh, we might have seen George Springer's last at bat as an Astro ground ball out. And if so, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I I've got to say this and, and I, and I'll have a, a, probably a much longer soliloquy 
uh, if uh, he signs somewhere else. But man, I, I got to thank George Springer because man, you were my favorite athlete to cover in any sport, George. You're just a joy to interview and interact with in the clubhouse, a positive force and inspiration for kids with stuttering issues. And Stephen, this is not even a competition. George Springer is the most clutch Astro ever. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the story of George Springer, I think, really began to take shape in 2017 when so many people felt that A.J. Hinch should have taken him out after game one of the World Series when he'd been struggling. Certainly not, you know, Yuli Gurliel type of struggle, but long enough. And A.J. stuck with him. And George came through. You know, he he basically he, he took the loyalty that his manager showed in him and turned it into something and ended up being the MVP of the series. And, and that really set things in motion. And I think it showed you that George Springer really can be a clutch player. But, you know, think about it. If A.J. hadn't stuck with him, what would have happened? We, we might not be seeing this George Springer. But the fact is, George has has been clutch even since then, has had some clutch hits, a guy that can... You know, when, when you lead off a game and you've got a guy in the box who can hit a leadoff home run to get you started, I mean, there are very few leadoff hitters who can do that. George Springer can't. So just when you're talking about not just the, the kind of heart the guy has, what fun he is in the clubhouse, but just a clutch player, you're absolutely right, Robert. He is. Yeah, it's 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 been an incredibly tough year, and I don't want it to end on. Uh, George Springer just signed with, the blah, blah, blah team, and it's not the Astros. I mean, it'd just be gut-wrenching after losing DeAndre Hopkins this year, after losing Daryl Morey this year. I mean, the guys that the Houston fans love to root for, um, both management-wise and player-wise, it's been a, an incredibly tough year as a Houston sports fan. And, and, and they're guys that, you know, they, they could have played years and years Further, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins was still very much in his prime. Daryl Morey is a GM. He could go on forever. Am I, am I forgetting anybody? It seems like we've lost some other uh, <laughs> athletes that uh, Houston sports fans love to root for. But, I mean, that, the, the, those three guys are you know, just some of my favorites. You know, some of my favorites in, in Houston sports history to root for. Great stories. Guys that were sort of like, you know, really um, – didn't seem probable stories. DeAndre Hopkins, his childhood, and you know that that, that was uh, on E60. They did a great job with that on ESPN, telling his story and and what he went through, his mom went through, and the situation that 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 he went, you know, came from. And Springer with the stuttering and and you know having right. to deal with that, of course, as as we just talked about, and, and Daryl Morey, you know, here's this somebody that literally came out of nowhere, nobody heard of. Not a former player, not a former coach, not somebody that, you know, he's at MIT, he's a geek, he's a stat guy, he's, you know, dork Elvis, and boom, you know, he becomes one of the great management guys in any sport, you know, uh, uh, any Houston sport and any sport, I mean, he was talked about, and talked about usually in a good way, Nashley, and so, you know, those guys are just guys that you love rooting for if you're a Houston sports fan. Well, I'm going to try to play the optimist here, Robert, and I'll just say this. I at least feel somewhat better that the Astros have a chance to bring George Springer back than I did with Garrett Cole last year. I I think we just, yeah, we hoped against hope, but I think we knew that Garrett Cole 
had pitched his last game with the Astros in the World Series, and that was going to be it. I, I just don't quite feel that way. I don't think it's a no-brainer with, with Springer not coming back. So I'm just going to hang on to that optimism and, at the moment, just say that it's not going to end like we're afraid it will. That's all we can do right now. Uh, before I go, I, I, I've got to also just tip the cap to the Tampa Rays and root like hell for them in the World Series because Charlie Morton, because they're the little team that could, uh, they are doing it with guys that most people haven't heard of. They're low salary guys. It's just like you start looking through the roster and you're a lot of times you're going, who are these guys? You know, Randy or Rosarena, who's this guy? And Steven, I, I, I can't but help root for them. Uh, obviously, if the, if the Dodgers get there, that's a gimme. But even if the Braves get there, you know, I, I want this team to win. The, the Rays deserve it. This is an organization that's really well run. They've done it in a way that most organizations could not have done it over the last, I don't know, 15 years in, in any sport. Uh, baseball, I think, might be the most prohibitive of any sport without an official salary cap to try to win a championship if you're a small market team. So, you know, go Rays. You know, I want them to win it. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm going to cheer for the Rays, too. And, I mean, it was amazing what they did back in 2008, you know, when they beat the Phillies in the World Series. You know, they did it kind of the same way. Just a lot of these guys is like, wow, look at this team. Who, who's this? You know, and they're doing it again. And ironically, a lot of those players that you're talking about were brought about on the team by the guy that the Astros now have, James Click. So you're hoping that Click can work some of that magic with the Astros, regardless of what their payroll is or is going to be. But yeah, it's 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 hard not to root against the Rays if if they're going to be the team that moves on and ends being in the World Series. You stack them up against the Braves and the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to cheer for the Rays in this one. Right, and I mean, I just you know I got to say that uh, they earned this. Um, and you, you got, you had the little bit of a scuffle. It was, became a little bit of, of bad blood with the whole deal with Fromber and Diaz. Was it Diaz that got in the fight with him? It's Diaz, right? You're talking about Fromber Bowers and Yandi Diaz. Yeah. And it was really an exchange of words. And I, I think it was a gamesmanship thing on Yandi's part. It was kind of like he was, you know, kind of getting on Fromber Valdez. So why didn't you challenge me? Why didn't you come after me? You see what happened? You know, and you saw how fast Correa broke it up. But that... I mean, if that's as bad as it got, you know, it's mild compared to, say, you know, some history between the Astros and the A's or, you know, Joe Kelly of the Dodgers and things like that. I, I mean, I think it was just the intensity of the series and a little gamesmanship going. So, yeah, that, that's really all there was to that. Like I said, stay with us because we're going to be talking not too far down the road about the Astros and what they're going to be doing coming up and you know, just kind of look forward to the off season and the next season and stuff like that. So you're going to stay with us for that. You also, uh, if you're listening before the Texans, we're going to have the Texans post game coming up in tomorrow's show. So we keep rolling along. Um, not, you're not going to have any more playoff Astros post game for, for, for another year, but uh, we're definitely going to keep rolling with the podcast with the, the Texans post games and, and other Houston sports stuff. Uh, just a reminder, as always, that we'd love your feedback, suggestions, questions, or topics. You can message us through Twitter, Facebook, or email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Stay healthy and safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk.
Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.